Hello, dear friends and adventurers. It's Rob, the D&D wannabe, here with some exciting news. This podcast is now made possible in partnership with our good friends at Misty Mountain Gaming. Veteran-owned and operated, Misty Mountain is one of the largest dice companies in the world. They offer the widest selection of metal, gemstone, and glass dice combined for yourself, that special role player in your life, or your favorite podcast hosts. Just saying. Look for their booth at your next local comic, anime, or gaming convention, or find their products at MistyMountainGaming.com. Okay, on with the show. Welcome back, friends and adventurers, to another episode of Bardic Inspiration. <laughs> that probably would have been better with actual sound effects. <laughs> That's better. Uh, it's me, Rob, the D&D wannabe, back again with my brother, Steven. That's right, I'm here as well, and we are jumping straight into this episode. No funny intro, no comedic skit, because this episode is different from all the other ones that have come before it. And we want to get you straight to the fun. Yeah, for those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I have some extracurricular activities. I have a YouTube channel, thanks to my job at Misty Mountain Gaming, and I have a Twitch channel, thanks to my job at Misty Mountain Gaming, and recently, on that Twitch channel, we have been playing Dungeons and Dragons. What? Go figure. The thing that we talk about, we actually do that sometimes? We actually do that sometimes, every Monday, as a matter of fact. Every Monday at 7pm, we played a few one-shots and little adventures, and we're going through a mini-campaign that we've termed the Rhymehold Ritual. It is going to be the most ambitious miniature D&D campaign in the young life of our Twitch channel, and it has some very interesting people who have decided to join me and be my players. One of those people is Steven. Yes, it's ambitious because he expects himself and three other people to put up with me. Uh, the series has been a little bit of a hit. We're starting to get a little bit of attention for the stream. And a lot of that is thanks to the interesting players on screen and the characters that they've come up with. And we thought, wouldn't it be fun if we gave you a little bit of a peek into who all of those people are, both the actual people and the people they're playing. So the majority of this episode is going to be a couple of interviews that Rob and I had with the other three players involved in this mini-campaign. All three of these players are celebrated members of the cosplay community whose work I have recently become familiar with, and they are so good at what they do. These three are Crash Candy Cosplay, Cheesecake Panda Cosplay, and Kajora Cosplay. We'll put some links to their different socials in the description of this episode so that you can find out more about them at your convenience. Steve interviewed Crash Candy and Cheesecake Panda before I managed to interview Kajora, and I had intended to give Steve equal treatment and interview him here on the show, but after hearing his recording, Cheesecake Panda basically did that for me. <laughs> uh, so I just left that audio as is. We'll, we'll ask you a couple of questions before we kick things off. Yeah, we did just kind of 
keep recording after I had finished interviewing Cheesecake. And uh, we did end up talking a little bit about the character that I had created. I recognize that a lot of the people who are going to be listening to this episode are not our typical audience. And therefore, welcome. You were probably steered to this episode by one of these lovely cosplayers. And we are so happy to have you here to enjoy this interview with them. We hope that you find it entertaining. And we hope that you will also go and check out their friends, these other cosplayers, and then come back and join us on Monday nights to see us all continue forward with this campaign. So let's not waste any further time. The Twitch channel, Misty Mountain Streaming, is mostly my own project. It's one of the primary functions that I provide with the company. And in an effort to draw more people to us and to build that community, we reached out to our ambassador team, well-known and influential creatives in cosplay or in content creation, in Dungeons & Dragons or voice acting, to come together and do the thing that we all love to do and play a little D&D together with me in front of cameras. And you through your association with this Misty Mountain Gaming-sponsored podcast, managed to get onto the list. And you have been a great and very welcome addition to their little troop through your portrayal of Dame Carlotta Volterran. This is your first time sitting down in front of an audience to play D&D. What was it like for you going into that situation with what were basically three strangers? Meeting new people is not that hard for me. Um, It's mostly a matter of whether or not people accept me when I put myself out there, which thankfully the girls did. As soon as I logged onto the Discord after you invited me to it, I was immediately greeted by Crash Candy, who was like, hey, who are you? And I'm the late addition to this campaign. I'm Rob's brother. I do a podcast. And they all very shortly thereafter welcomed me with open arms, and we started talking about our different character concepts. And I quickly got swept up in the all-drow insanity that they were campaigning towards. Ah, campaigning. See what you did there. Ah, yeah. But it was not hard at all because they made me feel extremely welcome. And as soon as I got over my stage fright of being on camera and being called on first to introduce myself and my character, I was immediately met with the fact that these girls who have only been playing D&D, some of them for only like a year or two, are so much better at improv than me. And I just had to recalibrate and kind of retool some things about myself and my character on the fly until I thought that I was capable of stepping onto the same field as them. But it has been a lot of fun. After I kind of got over the shakes in episode one, we had a really great episode two, and I'm really looking forward to see where episode three takes us. I think that's a valuable thing that people playing D&D together can do in in a very iron sharpening iron sort of way. Everyone at the table pushes everyone else at the table somehow to improve themselves. And talking to them all inside and outside of the interviews that we've done, they all had concerns or stretched themselves or went out of their comfort zone in some way to come and be a part of this little mini adventure with us. So you you were very much not alone, whether or not you felt it. This was my first time being on camera on anything online. Uh, This was my first time playing with a group of people that I had entirely never met before. This was my first time playing a female character. So I I just had a lot of firsts all at the same time. And after all of that was said and done and the jitter settled, 
I think I'm having more fun with this than I have with other TTRPG experiences in a long time. We'll ask you a question that I haven't asked the others. At the time of recording, we, we together, have not done a live session. I have run a few on the channel. You have not participated in any of them. Is there any aspect of getting live feedback about your role-playing, about your decisions, about the hobby that intimidates or excites you particularly? Uh, nothing's particularly intimidating about the concept of having other people listen in. I really enjoy interacting with chat during streams and things when I'm not the person who's on screen. Uh, and when I am the person on screen, I don't think that that will change very much. The one time that I did join you on your stream to play Dark Souls, I was so intently focused on trying to stay competitive and trying not to embarrass myself, which turns out I could have saved all that effort, that I did not interact with the chat very much. And I actually kind of missed out on that. So I am looking forward to engaging with you, the dungeon master, and engaging with my fellow players and also getting to engage with an audience. Like my favorite episodes of Critical Role are the ones where they play live. And I expect that that will, to a certain extent, be the same for me when I play on stream. And if I'm wrong, you will all realize it very quickly. But I don't expect to be. I'm really looking forward to a live, actual play session. I think the cast of Critical Role and other live games like the Ox Venturers Guild and Acquisitions Incorporated, I think that they would agree that having that audience approval and interaction and feedback it adds a different element to the game, but it's not an unwelcome one. And by virtue of the fact that we have a podcast together, there is something performative about both of us and that it's something that you're going to enjoy, even if it takes a little bit. I already feed off the energy of the other players. I am looking forward to feeding off the energy of the audience as well. I think the more pertinent, interesting, and campaign-related questions Tyler is going to take care of for me here in a little bit. Very considerate of her. Very helpful gal. I say we just cut to the good part. The good part being where I replace you in this conversation with Crash Candy. So, without further ado, take it away, past Steve. Thanks, future Steve. I can't say that with a straight face. It sounds adorable. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I always give myself the best introductions, apparently. Anyway, I am here now with Crash Candy Cosplay, who is one of our players in the Rhymehold Ritual game. And uh, she was actually, I believe, the first one that I spoke to on that Discord, weren't you? Uh, yeah, I think so, actually. That <laughs> was a lot of fun of just, like, razzing back and forth. Yeah, I just so show up I and I'm I was like, with the right people. <laughs> I just showed up after everyone else has been included in this campaign, and I say... I have arrived. You're welcome. <laughs> and she like, thank God, somebody's <laughs> speaking. <laughs> and you were the first person to respond. So anyway, uh, the point of this is not for me to talk, but for you to talk. So Crash, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what people might recognize you from? Ooh, okay. Uh, so I am a studio art major by trade. So that's all of like the messy arts like painting and sculpting and Anything that you work with, you know, your hands and making a mess. Uh, but I really wanted to be a special effects makeup artist when I was younger. So I decided to go with getting just a standard art degree and kind of working from there. 
But as I got later into high school and college, I found out about cosplay and I really liked being able to work with my hands and make costumes. And then I got into foam smithing, which was really fun. And so now I am a cosplayer and I have been doing it for around eight and a half years now, I think. So yeah, I am a cosplayer and makeup effects artist and illustrator by trade. Man, that is so cool. I really (laughs) wish that I was an artsy person like you. I mean, I tried to be. There was a point where I went to school and I tried to take as many film classes as I could. And I was really going to try to make it as like maybe a cinematographer or an editor. You know, the, the dream is, of course, to direct or something. But that is really neat that the field that you ended up in actually has a lot to do (laughs) with the things that you enjoyed and tried to study for. Kind of, yeah. It was really fun. And I, over the pandemic, actually had to shift gears a little bit because I had been doing mostly makeup along with, you know, working a classic retail job. Uh But I got into doing digital illustration as well. And so now that's my main source of income. So it's kind of funny that like, I do most of the makeup and stuff just for fun, and now I'm doing the art degree stuff as the job, (laughs) which is like how it probably should work, but it was just funny that I had to pull Uno reverse card. Wow, you know, I feel like most people's pandemic shift didn't work out that well, so I'm really glad it did for you. Yeah, I'm very, very lucky that that happened. (laughs) And... You mentioned that you did digital art because I know that Rob has gone on and on about how cool he thinks that the layout, I don't know the correct word for this, but the um, like the background and the frame for our stream is because you did help design that. I did, yeah. Um, and by help, I mean you did the whole thing. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. That was a really fun honor to do, actually, when he talked to me about it. Because me and my friends had done a little bit of a D&D stream just to kind of keep our sanity for a while when the pandemic was first kicking up. Sure. But we didn't get really artsy or fancy with it. And so then when he approached me to do all the illustrations, I was like, finally, yes, please. I would love to do it. What do you want? (laughs) So I'm really, really glad that he likes it so much. I was really happy with how they came out. Now, is that the sort of stuff that you do for your job? Because you said it was some sort of digital art, right? Yes. Um, sort of. Most of what I do is character illustration. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm more of a figure study type person. So I work with the human body. Uh, the, so... Empirically, the hardest thing to draw second only to horses, I think. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> don't ask me to draw a horse. <laughs> Please don't. Um... Because I've like I've been drawing since I was a kid and I never really got like good at it so i have a lot of respect for artsy people in general but especially people who can draw you know hands and perspective <laughs> oh, and things like that yeah i oh i still struggle mostly with feet i hate drawing feet, sure but i digress yeah so most of what i do is character illustration so i draw people's D characters i've done some like logos and avatars and stuff before i've done a few people's twitch icons and emotes which that's always really fun too yeah uh so mostly just like personal use but every now and then i get asked like as a freelancer to do the odd job of like a sticker design for like a car company or like a little logo for like someone's small business like kind of whatever i get but 
boy, do I love doing the fantasy stuff when yeah. I get to. So I'm very, very glad that I get to do mostly that as a job. Man, that is so cool to have like your hobbies and the things that people pay you to do so closely aligned. I think that's the, that's you. like the dream. Yeah. If it's not your dream, just realize you're living other people's dreams right now. Oh, thank you. No, it is absolutely a blessing. Like, I know there are some people who say if you turn what you do into your job, there is always a risk of burnout. But if right. anything, it just... It makes me so much happier not only to play D&D and be in this like little fantasy world, but also to bring other people's characters to life who mean so much to them. So seeing them get like their ideas brought to life and then mine by proxy is so rewarding. It's really, really fun. Yeah, I know. I just recently got the first piece of character art that I had ever gotten for one of my characters. And man, that meant so much to me. It just makes it real. Shout out to Tyler for doing that for me. Um, it's too bad she's not listening right now, or she would know how much I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, Ty's work is absolutely beautiful. I was so happy about those little pieces. <laughs> and if you want to see those, find them on Cheesecake Panda Cosplay's Instagram. So, obviously, you're extremely passionate about art, and you can tell that from your various <laughs> cosplays. I am curious, because I've seen... Full disclosure, I snooped on all of y'all before we actually started playing together, and I checked out all of your social medias, <laughs> nice. and I googled each one of you, and I went through all the different cosplays that showed up on Google Images, so I have seen that you have done a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, which one of your, what is the correct term? Is it your pieces? Is it your costumes? Is it your... I think anything's fair game. Okay. Which of your masterworks is your favorite? I do love that word, masterworks. Ooh. Um, I think, even though it is now retired, but in the loving hands of another artist, uh, I made Reinhardt from Overwatch. Yes! I, and if, <laughs> okay, I found that one way after the fact. I found this one, like, two weeks ago, and I found some of, the, like, the professional photography that had been done of you and that. I'm like, that's not her. That's her. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is easily my favorite of all the things that I've seen you put up there. It was so cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, like when I first put on that costume, there was that moment because I had never done a full suit of armor before. So I was thinking, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go hard. I'm just going to go full 100% in on it and make the biggest suit I can. If you're going to do it, you're so, going to go Reinhardt. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> hey, there we go. But once I had it all on in the hotel room, there was a moment of like with a scar makeup and all this yeah. giant foam on me of looking in the mirror and being like, holy cow, <laughs> this is me. That was a lot. Yeah. It's such a trip. It's kind of like God complex inducing at that point, <laughs> just wearing a giant suit of armor. Quite a rush. <laughs> if you guys have never heard of her. I'm assuming that a lot of the people who are listening to this episode are going to be coming from the audience of Crash Candy or of Kajora <laughs> or of Cheesecake Panda. But on the chance that you have not yet been exposed to Crash Candy's female Reinhardt, Google it. It is some good stuff. <laughs> Thank you so much. So when you are not working on cosplays... And when you're not having to do the day job, and when you're not playing D&D, &D, what else do you like to do with your time? Any other hobbies? Yeah, um, I really love playing video games, which probably seems par for the course at this point, <laughs> given all the other things I'm into. A uh, big shocker. But 
really love some video games. <laughs> it's okay. Hey, you're just you're just running the nerd gamut of Pretty all much, the stuff. Yeah. You're the um, what, the whole table. Is it, what's the term? I'm forgetting the term. Is it like the the like the millennial man or something like that? The one who does everything. I. Renaissance, Renaissance man. man. There you go. So you're just like the, the millennial man. I don't know. I can't remember this stuff. I love that. Cut it, Rob. Cut it. Cut it. Cut it. Cut it. No, that's so good. <laughs> millennial man. You are. Oh no, because you know millennials. Oh god. It's a new superhero. Because we are millennials. Oh man, that's that's like my nightmare is to be millennial man. <laughs> there you go. Which is so bad because I am. Anyway, <laughs> so you're just you're just a Renaissance nerd. Kinda yeah. Dipping your toes and all the different nerd arts and sciences what sort of video games do you enjoy the most Ooh, so i kind of bounce all over the place but i really like games that have a really specific art style mm -hmm. and stick to it and make that almost part of the gameplay experience like Growing up, obviously, I was wowed by games like Final Fantasy and Horizon and other games that focused mostly on, like, graphics and making things look as realistic as possible. Yes. But I love games that have just a bit of grit and just a cool art style that makes it part of the story. And I've recently really gotten into roguelikes, so Hades has definitely been at the top of oh, my list yeah. for a while now. And I don't know if this also counts as a roguelike, but uh, Hotline Miami, love that series so much. Okay. Very cult classic video game. Yeah, I was going to say, I have not been exposed to Hotline Miami, but I know I've seen some Hades gameplay, and I know Rob plays the crap out of that. It is so, so fun. It's a good thing that I ended up being the person to interview you, otherwise it would have turned into a 15-minute discussion about the game Hades. It probably would have been. It is such a beautiful game. <laughs> But also, like, throw in Pokemon and old Final Fantasy titles and stuff and some Super Smash Brothers. Sure, sure. Which was your first one? Did you get in on, like, Final Fantasy VII or, like, Final Fantasy X? Ooh. Or were you a Final Fantasy X-2 so, girl? Final Fantasy X. So my brother was actually a big video game buff uh, when we were growing up, and he's nine years older than me. Okay. So when I was a little kid, I couldn't really play video games, but I loved watching him play video games. And one of the first ones that really got my attention was Final Fantasy X, because I really liked the music. And even as a little kid, I loved Yuna. I thought she was so pretty. And so I would like watch him and he would help me do some little battles here and there. And then eventually he got me a Yuna action figure and a little controller for my birthday that can actually plug in. Nice. And so he got me started on things like Animal Crossing and like Super Mario Brothers. And it kind of just, I don't want to say spiraled down, but like snowballed yeah. <laughs> into just the world of video games after that. You got the controller and then it was all over. Yep. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the hobby that we are currently engaging in. The one that you're doing yeah. with us now, uh, or that I'm doing with mm -hmm. you. I, I've, that line is blurry for me. This is all Rob's thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yours and Rob's, because you've actually been working at Misty Mountain Gaming, or been connected with them at least, for even longer than he has. Yeah, so I am a bit of a an ancient one <laughs> among the adventurers. <laughs> uh, the one who gives the quests, per se. You know, you uh, you always struck me as kind of an eldritch horror, sort of, you know? <laughs> Ooh, I'm so thankful for that! Thank mm -hmm. you! 
All I have ever wanted is to give off an eldritch immortal energy. Yeah, there you go. So, Ancient One, how did you get connected <laughs> to the hobby in general, and how did that lead to you getting uh, roped in with this group? So, when I was in college, I think this was my senior year, it was really late at night, I had done all my homework, it was like a Friday night, and I had nothing to do, and I was texting my friend Becca, and I said, hey, I'm really bored, are you doing anything? And she says, well, I'm actually playing D&D with like some friends here in the dorm if you want to watch. And I had no experience with D&D prior to that. I knew people played it and I kind of got the idea, but I had no idea what it was. So I was like, okay, yeah, sure, why not? So I sat in and it was actually right in the middle of what I now know to be one of their biggest boss fights they had ever had. And it went on for hours and I think they ended up staying up until around 3 a.m. playing. And I stayed for all of it because I was so enamored. I was like, this is amazing. So then the next day I said, hey, how could I get into this D&D stuff? And she says, okay, well, message Chase as our DM. And he can probably like help you figure some things out. So I texted him. And his first response was, okay, yeah, come up to my room and we'll make you a character. You can jump in. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> so <laughs> we whipped up a character and I played a sorceress for the first Ooh. time because I really liked magic. Yeah. Um, and then a couple weeks later, I got to jump in on one of their games and it is history. That game is still going and we're all still playing with each other and it is an absolute blast. So. Nice. I feel like most people, when given the opportunity to go and watch other people play a game, would probably say no. So I think that's pretty great that you were willing to do that. And obviously it paid off. Well, yeah, it totally did. I mean, she was one of my really good friends and I knew some people who were playing. But at the time, all the other people who were now some of my closest friends, they were complete strangers. But I knew that, like, if I was hanging out with her, it could be fun. And I knew kind of what D&D was. And I didn't really expect to fall in love with it immediately like I did. But it was kind of a... It turned into, like, from something just to do and to watch because I'm bored into, this is incredible. You guys are just making this up. <laughs> and you're having, like, emotional talks made out of nothing. It was amazing, so of course I stayed and watched. Well, Becca, if you're listening, thank you so much for inviting her so that now we get to play with her too. <laughs> Yay! So you said that you were immediately enamored with D&D to the point that you would stay up till 3 a.m. and then try to make a character and get involved as soon as possible. <laughs> what is it about the game that like appealed to you and keeps you coming back after all this time? Well, I think it's mostly the collaborative storytelling and the improv of it all. I actually took a little improv class just for funsies my freshman year of college. Just I knew it. I knew it. Because There's a reason yeah, that you guys are first... all better at this than me, and now we know what it is. <laughs> oh my god, if you had seen me in the class, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, she's got all her kinks worked out now, guys, and now she's here to show me up. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but... Yeah, so I I wasn't really the best at it, but it was still fun to do and try. And the concept of improv just, I don't know, it interested me and I thought it was really fun and silly. And then I was already into fantasy stuff because, I mean, of course, I had the Dragonology and the Spiderwick Chronicles books and stuff as a kid. So I'm going to be into something that's full of dragons and whimsy. But watching them like get together and have these 
really intimate and emotional and almost like tear-jerking discussions over fighting with each other as people completely different from themselves just kind of blew me away in the moment because there were so many times where I just had to remove myself from it and be like, but you guys are coming up with all of this on the fly and you just feel it. And I think, I can't remember who might have said that, but someone at the table was like, yeah, you just feel it. And eventually you just kind of get whisked away in your character and it's fun. And that fascinated me. And then when I finally had my first character, I totally got it. So I was like, I don't know, getting to see like extensions of yourself as a character grow alongside people that you already thought you knew really well, wow you with how close you can grow and like the different parts of themselves they can explore in front of you while just counting numbers and rolling dice is just such a beautiful thing to me. So it's almost like we get to create a story together, but I also get to learn so much more about people that I love just being silly and playing pretend. Man, that is like such a deep and beautiful sentiment. <laughs> I wish that people who didn't play D&D would like listen to this podcast and then hear that, you know, so that they could be, oh, I should totally try D&D. So <laughs> people out there who do play D&D, play that part in front of your friends who don't play D&D, or at least like take some notes <laughs> so that you can have that conversation with them and then invite them to come watch you play so they too can get hooked. Yeah. <laughs> we have been going for almost 20 minutes now, and I think Rob will probably strangle me if I don't like move on and talk about your character because he's going to have to, otherwise okay. <laughs> he's going to have to cut something really good in order to make this all fit. So Aww, thank you. <laughs> tell us a little bit about the character that you designed for the Rhymehold Ritual. Ooh, okay. So uh, I play Dr. Iris Abair slash Volterran, and he is a Twilight Cleric Drow. And when I was designing him, I really try to like go out of my comfort zone with alignments a lot, especially when I'm going into new campaigns, hmm. because I think it can be really fun. But my problem is that I always end up leaning into like, chaotic good, neutral good after a while, mm -hmm. because that's just kind of me as a person. So going into this one, and with all of you guys and Misty Mountain, I figured I want to do something really different and a little weird. So I decided to whip up someone who is a true neutral, and who is a very short, middle-aged to aging old French man. And I just kind of wanted to take that and rip with it. <laughs> <laughs> and see where it got me. And I ended up really enjoying the concept after a while, like walking around my house, kind of talking in this like kind of pompous French accent, but in like a worried kind of grumpy way. <laughs> and I also really love purple. So uh, getting to do a Twilight cleric and someone who was from the Underdark just kind of tickled my fancy with doing like stars and purple and dusk tones. So Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you've got a guy who dresses in purple and who is purple and all that stuff. Now, <laughs> wait, was it was it your idea for us all to be drow? Cuz I remember the discussion between you and Cheesecake, but I don't remember who started it. Oh, I cannot remember either now. I think it just started as a joke because I already knew I wanted to play Iris, but I think it was cheesecake who ended up saying oh that's funny because i was thinking of being a drow wizard and then it kind of snowballed and we were like oops all drow <laughs> and then the more we thought about it we were like hey guys what if we were all drow 
Which I think much to Rob's chagrin because of the whole elf versus human thing. <laughs> and this is how Steve got roped into playing another elf. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, I do love drought. They're one of my favorite races anyway. But the fact that we all decided to be them was just too funny to pass up. It still cracks me up. Well, we're going to give Cheesecake the credit for making us all drow then, or the blame, depending on yeah, how you feel you about it. <laughs> so was Iris born purely out of your desire to be as far out of your comfort zone as possible? And what <laughs> what about you makes you the opposite of a worried French man? <laughs> I mean, well, dang, when you put it like that, I am a worried French woman. <laughs> so, like... I really don't have an excuse there, do I? <laughs> I was just asking, like, where did the like the inspiration <laughs> for the character come from? Obviously, we've got his like his mood. We 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 understand where his mood comes from. <laughs> yeah. um, but you've uh, put a lot of thought into his backstory to the point that it is starting to frustrate Rob that he doesn't know all of it, which is just delicious. <laughs> and see, it's funny because I did offer it to Rob. Like, if you go on my character sheet, you can read it because, you know, he owns the campaign on D&D Beyond. So I said, you know, if it gets to be too much, you can read that. And I honestly thought he had until the ring thing came up and I realized he hadn't. And so now just kind of drawing it out mm -hmm. is really funny because <laughs> now he also said, no, I'm not going to read it. I'm going to find out about it eventually, <laughs> but I'm still going to be mad about it. <laughs> Okay, so, well, I've got my reading for this evening because I didn't realize it was there. <laughs> you may or may not be able to see it. I'm not sure. It's in the backstory portion. I've got his login. <laughs> I don't know. Again, if you would like to read it, you most certainly may. But if you metagame, I will drive down and beat you. <laughs> okay, I'll just hold off then. <laughs> No, you can do well, it. It's I don't know. Uh, the thought of you visiting is intriguing, even if it does involve an. I do a, miss coming down. A small there. ass kicking. I think I could live with that. Yeah, that's our next collab. It's just a live stream of me fighting you and Rob. Hand to hand combat. That would not end well for me and Rob. Uh, at any rate, hey. um, <laughs> tip my hat to that. We. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not going to say that on the recording, but I can imagine exactly how it would end. Um, anyway, before we leave Doctor Iris, because he is a delightful character who apparently has become basically group voice of reason and group dad in a otherwise very chaotic group of drow. What is your favorite thing about how Doc turned out? Ooh, that's hard. Um, I think. Well, one thing I did kind of want to try with the true neutral, and I was kind of taking some inspiration from uh, Caleb from Critical Role mm -hmm. Campaign 2 um, in making someone who is in a weird way innately lovable, but on the surface very grating and a little sharp, <laughs> but by any means inevitably becomes like a lovable part of this group when he may be telling you, like, no, I'm not a people person. Like, I don't want to do the talking. Sure. I'm not fun to be around. Don't do that. And suddenly everyone just kind of flocks to him anyway. <laughs> so it's like, whether or not he actually believes that, you don't really know. But I think it played out so well in between playing him and not intending for you all to really cling to him. But the fact that you do is... Very, very entertaining and very funny. 
I think that you ended up in a party of very clingy characters. So he, mm-hmm. you're just going to have to accept the love that is coming your way at this point. Yeah. I get the impression that Doc is kind of like logical, a little maybe like clinical, maybe a little bit aloof, but mm-hmm. he's very present in the party. You know, he interacts with every di- different situation mm-hmm. that comes up and he is not cold or indifferent towards the party oh, or towards okay. the situations that are so it's it's this weird and delightful mix of being unconcerned and quite concerned <laughs> at the same <laughs> time <laughs> i'm really glad that's basically where i wanted him to go because again i i may fail at times to make him really different from myself but <laughs> Uh, The one thing I did want to focus on is in playing a true neutral of him having his own interests and his own desires and trying to be as uninterested in whatever's happening around him as possible, but still being part of the party and saying, okay, well, if we're doing this, then I'll come along and almost like pretending to be as indifferent as possible. But I'm very, very happy that that's coming off in a charming way rather than like a standoffish, unpleasant way. That is exactly how I am picking up on it, and I'm sure that the listeners are as well. Yay! (laughs) And uh, if you want to come and watch Crash do this little dance between caring and not, then uh, you'll have to come and join us this Monday. And bastardizing a French accent in the process. (laughs) (laughs) My accent work is all over the board, so I have no (laughs) one to judge. Before we go, because I do have a couple of more people to talk to this evening, and uh, I'm sure you have activities planned as well, let me ask, what is your favorite part about the campaign so far? Like, what have the listeners missed out on in the first two episodes that they need to go back and check out? And what can they expect as we go live and move forward in the campaign? Uh, I think what I enjoyed the most out of episodes one and two was kind of this beginning mystery of how it almost seemed to start out as something really routine for this group of people where you wouldn't expect them to be like very out of their comfort zone. Like Doc probably would have stayed quiet. Your character Dame probably would have been the voice of reason at most times if it were playing out normally. But when they were met with this insanity that I'm not gonna spoil by any means if they are going to watch it, seeing all of the personalities of the characters suddenly just blossom out because they suddenly don't have any kind of routine to cling to and everything has gone insane. So all of these antics that they get into and like the back and forth, it seems so candid and I absolutely love it. Like, you can tell that this is something that none of them could have ever imagined they would get into. And now that they have, it's like they're slowly losing a little bit of their minds at a time, but growing closer at the same time. So it's very entertaining. You know, that's a good point that I hadn't thought of because I kind of did see in my mind before the campaign started, you know, Dame's going to be the leader. Dame's going to be the voice of reason. Dame's going to be the one that keeps all these other yahoos in line. And it doesn't really work out that way. You know, (laughs) like the characters had to evolve to each other immediately in a way Mm -hmm. that I'm sure happens in in every campaign. But the deviation within the expected dynamic to the one that we actually experienced came on pretty strongly in episode two. And I love where it ended up. Yes, I agree. Episode two was where I think we really got to see everyone almost cement into sort of their roles, but also their defining personality traits. 
And seeing, especially Dame, having to go from probably being the voice of reason to it then going to Doc, just because they're suddenly so overwhelmed with everything happening, is so funny. And yet it still works, because Dame is still, by all intents and purposes, an imposing person. She can easily be the stoic figure that needs to be there, as we've seen her behave in, you know, the tavern and other places, but... It's just so entertaining seeing those roles get reversed when things start kind of going wrong, because then you can actually see what these characters want and what they're trying to do. Yeah, and I think there's a recurring theme within these characters of like something going on beneath the surface, Mm -hmm. which I know is the case for at least three of them. Listeners, you'll have to figure (laughs) out which three that is. So uh, we're about to go ahead and switch to one of our other players but before we do tell the listeners where they can find more of your work and find out more about you Ooh, sure so i go by crash candy cosplay on all platforms so you can find me on instagram facebook i don't have a twitter but if i did it would probably be memes anyway but when i get a twitter you could probably find that there But you can find a lot of my work on there, and also I do commission work, like we said before, so if you're looking for some character art, kind of like what we have in our Misty Mountain streams, then hit me up. But yeah, that's basically where I operate the most. Instagram is my stomping ground. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this with me and allow the listeners a chance to get to know you better and to tease a little bit of the character of Doc and what we can expect from him in the upcoming continuation of the Rhymehold Ritual. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. And I really can't wait to see everybody else deep dive into their characters because I want to know the gossip as well. Well, I'm very much looking forward to when we get back together for that next session. Episode three, baby. Wow, Steve, that was a really good conversation that you just had with Crash. But now it's time for me, slightly future Steve, to take over because I have a new person to sit down with for the next little while. And this is Tyler, more popularly known, perhaps, as Cheesecake Panda. Tyler, how you doing? Good. I, I'm the lucky one. I get future Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the new and improved version. Like, you know, Rob was the... Rob was the original, I was the 2.0, mm-hmm. past Eve was like the twin S, and now you get to sit down with like twin S plus, yeah. or S ultra, or yeah. whatever the iPhone is at now. <laughs> I think they're on 13 now, yeah. Yeah, or like Steve 360, or Steve 1, I don't know how Xbox went backwards, but yeah. apparently <laughs> that is somehow an improvement. Yeah. So <laughs> here you get Steve 1. So, uh, Tyler, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, the kind of things that people might know you for? Yeah, um, well, I'm a cosplayer, so that's basically for the entire time I've had social medias has been uh, cosplay related. Some people have been around for the many years that I've been cosplaying. Some have just recently found me. Uh, a lot of people know me for critical role cosplays because I've cosplayed probably 50% of them at this point. <laughs> So, and that's not just from one campaign, that's from all of them. (laughs) Yeah, if you can think of a female character, like a female cast character from Critical Role, I'm pretty sure I have seen you do all of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, I've done all the Laura Baileys. I haven't found it yet. I've done all the Laura Baileys, and then she commented on it on Twitter, and I was like, I've been seen. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) I am a minor celebrity who has touched major celebrities. (laughs) Life 
Anything after this is just meaningless. Just just insert the Laura <laughs> Bailey harp music, yeah. How long have you been cosplaying? Because you have a wealth of stuff. When I went online and, you know, Googled, hey, who is Cheesecake Panda Cosplay and what have they done? I mean, like, you just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and you've got tons of stuff out there. Yeah, well, once once you get Google to realize you're not looking for the Cheesecake Factory, um, all of my things show up. But, uh, yeah, I have... How many years has it been? Probably like seven or eight years, give or take. Probably wow. more so like five to six, roughly. Like actually like trying a little bit harder, though, and getting really into the craft of it. Well, you've been doing, you have been doing really good. You have some great cosplays. Uh, I think, I know I've told you this a bunch of times. The one that you did of Vex is like everywhere. If you look a little bit harder, though, you can find my favorite one, which I've told you before, is Pike. That is Pike. quite possibly... My favorite cosplay that anyone has ever done. You know, you see a couple of drawings about what Pike is supposed to look like, but in my opinion, from here on out, it looks like that one picture I saw when I was scrolling through Google yes. Images. <laughs> yeah, and I have some really good ones I haven't shared in quite a while that my friend Neil took. Uh, Mason Hikari is his, is his handle. He did he took really, really, really good <laughs> Pike photos at the very last costume two years ago. Really good pictures. Yeah, they're really good. They're so good. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your favorite cosplay that you have done over your past seven years? Uh, Pike is definitely up there just because somehow her and Kima both got done in about two weeks worth of time following working on a film and then getting really sick. So they were they were both busted. No way. Out. That took you only two weeks to do both of them, both Kima and Pike at the same time. That uh, just blows my mind yeah. because it takes me, you know, like a week to clean a room, much less like to create something like that. Yeah, it's it's just <laughs> called I just when I start working on something, I kind of go way too fast. But I really like Pike. Vex has a soft spot because she's the most recent thing, like fully finished that I've made. That wasn't like something I felt like ripping my hair out while making. And yes, I am looking at Genshin Impact because I just made one of those cosplays. But <laughs> one of my favorite things I've ever made, though, even though I don't like how it looks anymore, uh, was my Bloodborne Hunter a couple years ago. It's not like my best sewn thing, you know, like I didn't really know what I was doing with sewing at the time. But I got to shoot it in England and I was just I was, it was so it made me so happy. So happy. So. Well, because, you know, it's not just about the outfit. It's about yeah. the experience and everything yeah. that you have making it and the things that you do in it, too. Yeah. And, of course, also that one little British old lady, too, who I definitely gave a spook on the underground. You know, like that also really made it. That really made it. Yeah. There you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the dream. Just living the dream. Scaring British old ladies in your costumes yeah. because they're just that on point. <laughs> yeah. So other than cosplay which is the big one i think probably for you definitely with the fact that you can make that sort of costume in that amount of time probably means that you're about as obsessive about that stuff as i am about anything <laughs> so aside from the big one what other sort of stuff do you like to do um i like to to draw like that's something i used to do a whole lot more before i got into cosplay uh like drawing was my my main thing and then i found cosplay and all the time went straight into that so now i draw Sometimes for fun, mostly for fun, like drawing up our campaign, that our, our characters, that was mainly just for me and for fun because I wanted to. I also do a lot of FX makeup, both for fun and for work. <laughs> but yeah, it's if it's creative, I like to do it. Like I'm also that person who randomly one afternoon a couple years ago was like, I'm going to take up book binding and then bound like seven books over the span of a month. <laughs> now I have like no wow. use for all of these books that I made. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's the way my wife is about stuff. She just picks something up and she just, you know, like, mm-hmm. I need to buy $100 worth of crafting supplies so that I can save us $20 someday. Yep. Yep. Totally. Totally. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, you got to appreciate the fact that she's trying to be thrifty and she goes really hard after stuff and yep. you know one of those people who's just like weirdly good at something the first mm-hmm. time they try it it just oh yeah the, the natural talent does not compute with me <laughs> but we do have you to thank for those awesome little drawings that you did you did uh, little chibi characters and you mm-hmm. did like portrait busts of all the characters that are in this campaign yeah. and it was the first time that i had ever gotten someone to give me like full art of one of my characters and man it was just so cool that you did that for us i don't i I feel like i could make the point much more eloquently but it was just it it was so cool it meant a lot to me and my sentiment towards your art means nothing to the listeners but it's really good art and you should go and check it out Mm -hmm. i think they put it up i know they put it on twitter and i think they put it on instagram too i think basically when they posted it on one it went out to all their social media so you can definitely find it if you want to see what our ragtag group of drow look like (laughs) Yeah. Anytime I see it, I, I repost it, but, you know, yep. <laughs> no matter who, no matter who threw it up there, because pe- more people need to see that stuff. Yeah. So let's talk about the characters then, uh, because you made a very unique character with a very eye catching design. <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little bit about Luca? Oh, yeah. Luca's a train wreck, like hundo percent train wreck. Um, and that that <laughs> mostly came out just because I told Rob about this. I think when we first like did like a little just like discord chat type of thing just for him to like start meeting everybody. But um, mm-hmm. as someone who's both played and been a DM, and especially because I played now for probably like six, seven years, especially more consistently in the past couple of years, I've had a bunch of groups, especially recently that have been like brand new people wanting to try out D and D. So whether it be like somebody that I'm running a game for that's brand new to D and D or just like a group of friends, like some of my film friends uh, wanted to try D and D. So I've gotten into this habit of making like ridiculously loud both in personality and style characters just to like prompt role play and things like that, which is not at all a problem with this group because mm-hmm. we're all great with the role play. But yeah, that's, that's <laughs> partly why Luca is just one gigantic, like flashing red sign of flamboyance. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a very like over the top sort of character. And I think yep. D D is great for that. Like the more you put out there, you know, the more you're going to get back mm-hmm. and, you know, next time I play with some new characters, I think that's probably a really smart decision. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I'm going to be as flamboyant and loud yeah. and out there as possible. Oh, yeah. And I'll not that you're making a fool of yourself when I say this, but, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to make a complete fool of myself oh, no. and do all this sort of stuff that is totally out of character for me to let you guys know that it's okay if you're a little weird because I'm always going to be a little weirder than you. Oh, yeah. No, if it makes you feel any better, the very first character I made with this mindset for the group of film friends uh, was a rogue, a tiefling rogue uh, named Caspian. He's one of my absolute favorite characters because every time I play him, something absolutely chaotic and, like, world-shattering happens uh, because he's just that kind of character. (laughs) Like, I literally modeled him after that moment in The Emperor's New Groove when Kronk is sneaking around making his own theme music, because I wanted him not to be a good rogue at all, but then with a group of new players, he had to actually do his job. So now he's just a horrible mess of absolutely chaotic and good at his job, which makes a horrible combination for a rogue. (laughs) But... (laughs) 
You know, maybe one of these days I'll make a a rogue who just does not even take proficiency in stealth. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You know, and just like really leans into, I don't know, animal handling. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> Like do like like the Pie Piper like he has like a flute and that's his thing like like pretend yeah. he's a bard yeah <laughs> oh yeah oh no that would be great uh, like a rogue who is trained in deceit and uses said deceit to exclusively convince other people yep. he <laughs> has a different skill set yep yep <laughs> oh man I got to do that now you're, get, you're getting just a, you're getting dice. just a little too close to how I made Luca at this point stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so tell us a little bit about Luca, and now we know why you made him the way you did. Yep. Tell us a little bit about Luca's story. Yeah, I've hinted now a couple of times during games, and I think just because Luca is such a loud personality, everybody's been like, oh, that's just how he is. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I've made little comments about, like, how, like, you know, after four hours of sleep, uh, he's still tired, and, like... He really, this one hasn't come out yet in game, but, like, he really doesn't understand drow culture very well, despite being a drow. And, like, there's very good reasons for this that, like, has just not come out in game yet, because no one has asked why he's so weird. Uh, but, yeah, there's there's a there's a reason. There's kind of been a general air of, well, that's just Luca. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Like, I remember seeing in the last game, uh, when Luca's running across the, not to, like, spoil any moments, but, like, when Luca's running across the courtyard going, I have an idea! I have an idea! And everybody's like, oh, God! (laughs) (laughs) I love that moment. (laughs) (laughs) Look out, he's got an idea! (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, there's definitely a reason why he's off the wall. Part of it was just how I wanted to play him, and part of it's just because I came up with an equally stupid backstory to match him. (laughs) So... (laughs) Tell us a little bit about where Luca comes from. Like, why is he this way? Yeah. As I fondly like to think of Luca, um, he's basically one of those, like, real flashy on a resume, then you meet him in person. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because, uh, essentially, he's not necessarily a court mage, but, like, for the little kingdom type of thing that all of our characters have hailed from, he's basically... Like, I admit, imagine him in some form of, like, a court mage, but not actually probably, like, the head court mage or anything. He's mainly just there to, like, help in terms of magical needs and stuff like that. And, like, I remember telling all of you early on uh, that probably, like, in his office, there's, like, a bookshelf that's full of more, like, knickknacks and trinkets and stuff than there are actual magic books. And, like, there's candy everywhere. And there's definitely, like, four different beds for Phoebe. You know, like, just (laughs) he's a mess. And part of this comes from the idea for Luca was that (laughs) he lied about some of the things that he's really good at and some of the places that he's come from to Lord Exton, which got him the station that he's at. And now he's stuck in a lie that essentially (laughs) everything he said is wrong. You know, like he's probably at one point said like, you know, like, oh, I come from very high drow, you know, like really far from the Underdark. No one knows who they, you know, they're too far away for you to know who they are. And like, I was trained by the best wizard up in the highest towers and all this kind of stuff. Yes. Very high, very fancy. You've probably never heard of him. Yeah, his, he's, you know, he's just so renowned that nobody knows his name. Uh, <laughs> but the the reality of it is, he definitely, when he's talking about his teacher, there is, like, a certain love and adoration from it, because his actual teacher was his mom, who is a small gnomish woman. <laughs> because uh, he was found in the forest, near a cave, just left abandoned. Uh, so these these two little gnomes, who I've very lovingly modeled after uh, Cosmo and Wanda from the Fairly Odd Parents, just to make this more yes. worse. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're they're his parents, so he learned everything from them, and by default, that's where some of his like flashy clothes come out, and like some of his weird personality quirks, and why he just does not act 
especially like a male drow, because, you know, drow are our matriarch. Uh, he's very loud and very enforceful for a male drow, especially probably with Dame, like he doesn't understand. Like Dame could very easily mention, you know, like, oh, the den, you know, like you're my found den, this and that. And he would be like, oh, what's that? What's a den? Like, you know, <laughs> like he just doesn't understand. Yeah, no, I get the impression very much that Dame had to adopt him. Mm -hmm. As opposed to like him coming to her or anything like that. Like, you yep. know, you, you don't understand what's going on here. So I'm just gonna, yep. you just come right here under my wing and you're, you're just gonna have to live there. Yeah. Now. <laughs> and like, I definitely, I told all the players going into this because at first this was supposed to be like three to four games and now we're probably gonna be, I think Rob said six to eight. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, originally we I derailed told... episode too hard and I think he oh, yeah. sees us doing that some more oh, in the yeah, future. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially because we got dancing rats, but, uh, Dancing um, Rats, an episode two, guys. Stick yep. around for it. <laughs> yeah, good stuff to look out for. Dancing Rats was my favorite part of episode two. That was so good. Oh, my God. But, <laughs> yeah, I basically I started this off by telling all the players his backstory and saying that as a character, you won't, will not know this backstory, assuming we mm -hmm. weren't going to play for enough time to probably uncover it all that much. And then here we are. So uh, we'll see what happens. But <laughs> Yeah, I remember because you were the first person in the Discord to like really put forward, this is my character concept. And it yep. was it was big, and it was loud, yep. and it was fun. And I'm like, wow, I just... I'm just going to try to make an adult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I feel like that's what this group needs. Um <laughs> Which is atypical for me to play. But Luca's design was one of the first ones I saw, too. You showed me the drawing that you were making for Carlotta mm -hmm. early on. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be amazing. But then, you know, Luca has a very eye-catching design. Yeah. And I have to ask this because I thought when I saw this design, I thought, this looks really cool and it looks really familiar. And I finally realized what it reminds me of. And I'm curious as to see whether this is an inspiration or whether you and the other designers are just both really dope. The starlight freckles and things and the tattoos that he has on him reminded me a lot of, I want to say, Erevos from The Dragon Prince. Have you seen that show? Oh, okay. I have not because it's, it's been on my list for a long time to watch. I know exactly the character you're talking about, though. And actually, I didn't think about that when I first... <laughs> was making this character, I mainly was just thinking, well, Drow are kind of blue and purple, and, like, that kind of, you mm -hmm. know, Duskseeker seems like a good gnome type of name that he could have stolen. Uh, yep. So, mm -hmm. like, the nature of just stars being all over him kind of came out, but then also it kind of came, too, because when I did an Essex makeup, I guess two years ago now, because pandemic time goes really fast, um, yeah. uh, I did an Essex makeup from Critical Role, and I accidentally got like silver freckles splattered all over myself when painting some silver in through my hair and all that stuff. And I was like, this is really cool. I'm going to make this a drow statement. <laughs> so, so I kept it for Luca. <laughs> so he was shaped by your real life experience and not by outside influences. But that is why Luca's design is just so mm -hmm. cool and appealing to me. Oh, yeah. No, I know exactly the character you're talking about. And then like two, when I make wizards, I only have two wizards that I've ever played for D&D. Luca's one of them. But I really like like the the wizard aesthetic of like, kind of quirky like definitely like kind of fashionable but kind of quirky like there's some weird elements yeah. to it so that's definitely where his fashion came from too <laughs> yeah that that high intelligence comes at a cost and that cost is often eccentricity yep <laughs> unless unless you're luca and you got to hold up all those lies so you got good charisma but <laughs> <laughs> 
earlier you mentioned you've been a player before and mm-hmm. you've been a DM before and you've been yeah. doing this for years and you might be the only person on this roster who can say that you've done both like, you know, more than once and that you've been doing it for this long. Mm-hmm. How did you get started into the hobby that is D&D? So um, I kind of had probably a pretty standard introduction to it, but maybe in a kind of funky way. Um, several years ago, uh, when I first made friends with a couple people, um, basically one of them was like, you know, I want to try to run a game, all this kind of stuff. So we, we ran like a session or two and quickly realized that it wasn't really working super great because uh, to put it hmm. simply, like the DM himself, he was very nice, very good, but like he made everything run in real time. So like one night would actually hmm. be one night. <laughs> Where we would wow. actually, yeah. So how it, did that work with combat? Uh, never mind. I, I I'm gonna have too many questions about that. We barely got there, so that's that's kind of where that came from. Where we kind of went, okay, this isn't really working. And that was my first introduction to D and D, and I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. And uh, my fr- good friend Joby Lee uh, basically went, you know, like, no, this isn't really how D and D is. So then, like, we kind of formed another little group with a different person running it who had run games before. And the new DM, like, you know, was really, really good at it. And by default, I ended up really, really enjoying it. And of course, completely opposite to how I'm playing Luca, I was a very cautious player when I started D and D, and that like I would take one hit point, and I was like, I'm dying. Um, <laughs> so, so. Well, it was a whole new world and a whole new, you know, system, a whole new experience. So. Yeah. But yeah, that was my first campaign. <laughs> when you play your first game, you don't have a dozen backup characters in your pocket, just like yeah. ready to whip one of those out. I'm still not there. Some yeah. people can play very careless with their creations because they have so many other creations, but I wasn't that way. And I don't think any new player is either, you know? Yeah. Well, and then too, like from the very first weird group that we played with that didn't quite pan out, some of like the rules that I had learned weren't actually the correct rules in this and that. So it was a matter of like learning Mm -hmm. different things. And especially of all things, we were playing 3.5 and I chose a ranger, not Mm. the best for 3.5, but anyway, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, like we, that was my first campaign. We played, I think through to about level six or seven and then just due to life things, you know, like most campaigns kind of just like fizzled out a little bit. I think the main one actually was that one person moved to a different state and that's why we stopped playing. But regardless, like I would still play a couple times here and there with other people. And then especially in like reaching out more into like the cosplay community or the makeup community or this or that, I've met a lot of other people who either played D and D or, wanted to get used to it, uh, which is kind of where this whole, like, running games for people has come in. Like, um, I actually have a really lovely group of people that are pretty much all in Canada, except for myself and one other person, who we did a charity live stream and, like, hit it off so well as a group that we now play pretty regularly. Uh, and that's also where, like, running games came in, because we kind of trade off who plays, who runs, so that everybody gets the chance to do both. Oh, that's awesome. That's the dream. So, yeah, so that's that's where my uh, very fond puzzle dungeon D&D one-shot has come out, uh, which actually Crash Candy got to play. Um, but yeah, so. Yeah, because y'all have done things together before this stream. Mm-hmm. Well, I am glad that even though your first experience was not a 10 out of 10, that you decided to come back and give it another shot. And (laughs) even if that experience wasn't the best, I appreciate that DM for giving you a chance to experience the game in at least enough and have at least enough fun to get you to come back for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's still a fond experience to look back at. Even if it was, like, not maybe the best introduction to D&D, it was still, it's fun to look back at, so. <laughs> do you prefer running, or do you prefer playing? Um, you know, it really, it depends, I guess, on the group of people I'm with. Like, um, 
I am always happy to play, and usually I'm chaotic. Uh, you probably learned that with Delilah the other night, and that even though she's supposed mm-hmm. to be the mom friend, she's still all over the place. Delilah being the character that Tyler is playing in yet another one of Missy Mountain Gaming's streams. Yeah. Wedding Crashers, which by the time this episode airs, there will be two episodes where the VODs, I think, will still be on Twitch, and they'll be mm-hmm. posted on YouTube shortly thereafter. And it yeah. is only one episode in as of the time of this recording, and it is a riot. You guys should definitely go back and check it out. Yeah, we got two southern bells and um, a goblin, so that's that's where we are. <laughs> but yeah, it's been it's been just to like side rail for a second. It's been a wild couple weeks of alternating between like, oh, I'm a little British wizard, you know, I have a rat, ha ha, I'm so good at charming people. To oh yeah, I'm a southern bell, I own a bakery, uh, I'm I'm modeled <laughs> after Paula Dean, like you know, like it's been a lot and going back and forth. Well, that's the joy of playing D&D, and the fact that you can switch back and forth between those roles is just an example of why you're good at this, why you're a good role player. <laughs> but, like, I definitely enjoy playing, but especially for, like, people who maybe aren't so new to D&D, like, that they're still learning mm-hmm. how to work it and this and that. Like, I'm a very relaxed DM, and that, like, you know, like, I follow the rules and stuff like that, but I'm not, like, a huge stickler in that if somebody doesn't know what they're doing... So that's where I like to run things comes in because I tend to just make really fun one shots, that kind of stuff that, yes, someone very well could die uh, because of some of the battles I've chosen. Namely, it's been removed in case I ever do run this for Misty Mountain. It's been removed. So I can tell you I made a bunch of level five people fight a uh, Demi Lich. Not doing that again. (laughs) We're not doing that again. But anyway, um, I just like to make like fun, kind of stupid little one shots for people to play that they might have fun with. Uh, So I enjoy both in equal aspects, you know? Like, it is fun to run a game. It just takes a lot to remember everything when you're running a game. And it sounds like you enjoy introducing people to the hobby or getting them to be more comfortable with it when you're running a game. So that's very important. You want to give everyone the experience that you may not have perfectly gotten when uh, when you first started out. You want to be that... You want to be your second DM for everyone Mm -hmm. else. Yeah. (laughs) So before we go, I do need to ask... What is your favorite moment of the campaign so far? Like, Oh, my God. <laughs> what do people need to go back and look at, and what do they have to look forward to? So there's some moments from both episodes. The primary one that I feel like almost no one mentioned in chat uh, and that we all just kind of giggled at, but that I thought was hilarious, like 20 minutes into episode one, was Druna speaking uh, bird to our one fellow, uh, our very first <laughs> fellow that we talked to. Um <laughs> mentioning offhandedly he said something about bdsm and like all of it just kind of brushed it off and i was like (laughs) but so that was that was a good one druna in general is like just such a treat for everybody watching like kj is knocking it out with druna um and like we said you know you got dancing rats in episode two not in the way that you're probably thinking when i say dancing rats uh i don't know how many ways there are to take that but it could be the wrong one (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, if they watched episode one, they know we have a rat in the party, but I'm just telling you now, like, it's not what you expect. <laughs> like, so. You know, in episode one, Druna uses her ability to speak with animals multiple times. And the very first one where she talks to a sheep yep. is the moment that I knew that I was completely out of my league when it came to improv. <laughs> yeah, the funny accent. <laughs> what? Have I signed up for? Who are yeah. these people? And how did I get mixed up with them? Yes. I knew this is going to be so much fun. And even if I'm just a 
participating bystander. You know, even if I just get to sit here and listen before the episodes come out and before everyone else gets to enjoy Mm -hmm. this, it's going to be worth it. Yeah, well, and, like, I know I've talked about Luca, how he's really loud and crazy and this and that, and I've, like, mentioned some of the funny things Drun has done, but, like, I think it's important to mention, especially with a group of just four players, that everybody's very, very different, like, in the way that they've approached their character and the way they choose to play it, and, like, we have, I feel like, a good mix, you know, like, we definitely have, like, the stupidity corner that's inhabited by a single Luca, and then we have... Doc and Dame that are doing their best to like corral us in and then there's Druna just off doing whatever Druna does you know like it's it's a good mix I feel of personalities in this little little party of drow it's a fun blend of expected and unexpected Mm -hmm. I think we as a whole party makes a very good neutral because we have a little bit of everything (laughs) Druna is a lot of fun Mm -hmm. and I think that this would probably a good time to give the listeners a chance to meet her player, mm-hmm. Kay Jora. So we're going to unfortunately have to say goodbye to Cheesecake Panda and turn it over to future Rob and Kay Jora to talk a little bit about her character that she has made for this campaign. Yee. And it's okay, because I'll, I'll literally be on every Monday more than likely with how things are trending. <laughs> so you'll see me again. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you are very deep in it with these guys. <laughs> The security blanket. How did you feel when he said that you were the security blanket? Oh, I basically was like, I was basically like, it makes sense. You know, I've been here every week. <laughs> like, yeah, I kind of thought that that's how I got roped into you, with you guys. Is I thought, you know, I'm going to be the security because I'm the person he's met before, you know? Yeah. And, oh, I see. So I'm the one that's going to make him comfortable being here with the talent. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dame is great. And I've loved like how you've played her so far because there's definitely a good mix of like yes i'm the mom i'm the parent of this group but then also like i will punch you (laughs) like i will punch a child you know what i realized in the first episode it's like when that happened that whole interaction with the sheep and everything i realized i've made a major mistake i have made a subdued character for a short session like you know because we thought at the time it was going to be a two shot and i'm like yeah i am going to spend too much time being stoic and being, you know, quiet and being like direct and decisive mm-hmm. that either I'm not going to have any fun or no one's going to care that I'm there. <laughs> so I'm like, I am going to have to make changes on the fly. <laughs> oh, no, I definitely I definitely like especially because like she's the oldest of our group, too. Like, I like this dynamic of like, I care, but also I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, my character concept was basically mechanical. I want to make a protective character that has a whole bunch of protective abilities so that when we get into combat, I won't just like be a tank and I will, or I won't just be like a frontliner. Like I want to play a supporting role. I want to protect people and I want to enable them to do stuff better by virtue of the fact that they are standing next to me or I am standing next to them. I'm like, so I'm going to make a mom. Or, or in <laughs> because, Luca's case, hiding behind you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, that's what, moms do and that's why moms are the best or at least that's why my wife is the best for you know Uh being a mom to my kids and stuff well and i feel it fits a drow pretty well too to be honest like that uh uh the Mm -hmm. din mother is like protective motherly but like kind of forceful you know it it, it makes sense so so that was good of y'all to be welcome to that because i'm like I'm, i'm going to play a mom and we're going to be Drow, which is a matriarchal society. So I'm just going to go on Discord and tell these three girls that I'm their mom. 
you know, who, <laughs> who have never met me and I, you know, they know nothing about my characters and stuff. I'm like, hey, is it okay if I be your den mother? I'm going to be your den mother. It's not going to be a big den. You know, you guys don't have to take me seriously, but I'm just yeah. going to, I'm going to treat all of you like I'm the mother hen and you are the yeah. children and you are the precious babies who must be protected at all costs while trying to be like the cool and regal and dignified uh, like putting forward that front of like mm-hmm. serious composure and somber nobility, but inside just, you know, fretting over all of the little chicks. Yeah. Well, and I like too how that was met with two very different things of Crash Candy immediately changing, like putting Volterran at the end of Doc's name. Um, oh, I love to, it. I love that that happened. To me yeah. being like, Luca doesn't know what a den is. <laughs> like that was the two things. But the great thing about you know, when you did that, it's like, that is fine. It has absolutely no impact about how you're going to get treated. Like, this yeah. is, this is, this can be a one way relationship. This does not have to be consensual. Like, you are going to be loved and cared for. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to stop recording now. Thanks, Steve. And I really hope you didn't do the past Steve, future Steve transition thing. We talked about that and we workshopped it and it didn't work well. And I know you're not going to make me edit that crap. Uh, anyway, I am here with Kay. Hi. <laughs> so we've just come from talking to the other players in the Rhymehold ritual. You, of course, being one of them. I'd like to say we saved the best for last. <laughs> Who are you? Where are you from? What are you up to? What do you do? Well, I'm Kay, as most people on the internet know me. I go more by Kay than my real name. I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. I was born there, and I lived like half of my childhood there, and then I moved to Alabama for the second half of my childhood, and I graduated high school there. I joined the military as soon as I graduated, and I went off to boot camp. I was human resources in the Army National Guard, and then I wanted to do something more with my life because... I was just sitting around in Alabama, hanging out with family, and that's kind of all life was at that point, and I wanted more, so I moved down to Florida, because my dad lived there at the time, and I started going to college, I got my first waitressing job, I was definitely very introverted, and then I started waitressing, and I got a little bit better, and I started working for like Harley Davidson, and I was a promotional model for them, so I had to like really put myself out there. So that helped my shyness too. And yeah, I've always wanted to do cosplay. Cosplay is like my thing. Right now it's my main objective, but I'm also trying to dabble in teaching too. Teaching cosplay, not teaching civilians. (laughs) Not teaching my (laughs) Yeah, not teaching school, but cosplay. And it's something I've always wanted to do. I know a lot of people say this, but what really got me into it initially was like watching Jessica Negri's videos on YouTube mm. back when YouTube was like brand new. When YouTube was young. You, when YouTube was young. And I just saw how like happy she was and she got to do all this like crazy crafting stuff and she got to travel and I don't know. It was just really inspiring and it looked like so much fun and I've always been a creative person ever since I was a kid. But I never started cosplaying until two years ago because I didn't know how to start. I was very shy and I was never in a good financial place up until two years ago. Especially in the past two years, a lot of new people can kind of relate to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with COVID and everything is 
given people time to like sit at home and reflect on like who they are and what makes them happy and they pick up new hobbies and I can definitely see like cosplay is a huge trend in the younger community like kids that are still in high school it's becoming a really big thing for them so I'm excited to see where that goes. I think a lot of nerd culture is being passed on to the younger generations because all of the guys who were ashamed of their interests growing up are now adults who have money and who run companies and who can make the stuff that they're interested in cool. And they're passing the nerddom down to the younger generation. And the generation after me is being raised to think that whatever they're interested in is okay and it should be celebrated. And I'm not knocking that at all. Like they say on Leverage, you know, it's the age of the geek, baby. And I love it. <laughs> that was a big lore dump you gave us there. So let, let's unpack little bits of that. The first thing I want to ask about is knowing the side of you that I currently know, imagining you in boot camp is such an odd thing. How did that affect you? Is that, a, is that a fond memory? Would you do it all over again if you could? Or is that just part of your past now? The reason why I joined boot camp is uh, I was raised in a very Republican household growing up. Mm -hmm. So my father was super gung-ho about like the government and the military, and I'm not hating on any of it. But that's just kind of the product of my environment. So I was like, I didn't know if I wanted to go to college. I'm not going to lie. My grades sucked mm. in high school, so I probably couldn't get into any good colleges at that point in my life. You said you graduated high school in Alabama. The education system in Alabama is the fifth worst of all of the U.S. states. I mean, I was homeschooled. Stephen and I were homeschooled, so we dodged some of that, but I wouldn't blame yourself <laughs> for the grades <laughs> if you went to high school yeah. in Bama. Yeah. You know, and it's crazy, too, because I actually got better grades moving from Atlanta to Alabama. And I think it's because I transitioned from Georgia schools to Alabama schools. Yeah. And I learned specific maths in my beginning years of high school that we were just touching on in my later years of high school in Alabama. So I kind of I had a head start in that aspect because I'm really bad with numbers, Um, really bad with I think it's just numbers, really, because, like, language arts I was good at. Obviously, regular arts I was fantastic at. But, yeah, I just, I was really lost with who I was because, like, my artistic side wasn't encouraged when I was a kid. My father wanted me to have, like, a serious job and everything. So I was very lost when I graduated. I didn't know what to do. And so I, we had a recruiter come to my high school and he was like, oh yeah, you know, you can join the military and you can join the National Guard and so you won't deploy and you can come home uh, but also be in the military at the same time. And I was like, oh, that sounds great because then like I can have some income, I can be in the military and then I can try to figure out who I am at the same time. It gives me time outside of the military to like be my own self in a way. So yeah, I signed up and I was, um, <laughs> it's funny, I signed up for uh, Special Forces originally. Wow. Um, I was supposed to be going to airborne school. Well, I did go to airborne school, but we have to do pull-ups in airborne school when we first get there. And it was at Fort Benning and it was raining early in the morning and they have these pegs for short people and I am vertically challenged, I am 5'2". So I go to step up on the pegs and my foot slipped, and the peg went into my shin and all the way up. So I didn't make it through airborne school. But I was still human resources, and I stayed that way my entire 
National Guard career. Now, well, I am very interested in that stuff just because it's such a dichotomy between the you that I know and the you that was. Yeah. Doubtlessly, everyone who came check out this podcast to hear from you knows you from cosplay. And you got into this, you said, because of Jessica Negri on YouTube and just kind of the glamour and the artistic creativity of it all. What was your first cosplay? For me, there's a difference between cosplay and a build. So my first cosplay would have to be my first Dragon Con I went to, which is in Atlanta. And it's like this really huge convention. It's fantastic. You probably, yeah, you know of Dragon Con. I was dragged there by one of my exes and I had a great time. Mm -hmm. We went as Lara Croft and Nathan Drake that week. And it was fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Dragon Con's amazing. I remember going first time ever, and I was just, there was like stars in my eyes. I was like, people live like this. I want to live like this. (laughs) Like, it's, (laughs) I want to like dedicate my entire life to nerdum and whatnot. My first cosplay was Ash Ketchum. Ha! From Pokemon. Awesome. (laughs) But like, like a a feminized version, but, uh. Yeah, I had the hat, and that was pretty much it. I had the hat and the gloves, and I tried to pass that off as Ash Ketchum. And then my first ever cosplay build was also Pokemon. I was Scorbunny, which is the new starter generation. Yeah, yeah. It was a fire type. I, I have missed a lot of the newer Pokemon games, but I, I'm familiar with the starters from them all, at least. So I know Scorbunny. Yeah, I've come to find out within the past year... I know what kind of trainer type I am now. I'm a fire type, which is funny. I never thought I'd be a fire type, but I always tend to lean towards like Vulpix and Charizard and Scorbunny and all the fire types just because they're powerful. I don't know. Weird. Is that determined just based upon your preferences or did you like take some exam or wear a sorting hat at Universal Studios to tell you you're a fire trainer? I wish there was a Pokemon world that you could do that at. Um, but no, that's just preference type of voice. My f- my favorite Pokemon ever was Vulpix. And I remember because I was playing the N64 and it was a Pokemon Stadium game. And Vulpix would do this move where she would dig underground and then wait for the Pokemon to attack. So then it obviously wouldn't hit her. And then she would come up from the ground and like hit them. Uh. And I that would be my finishing blow every time. So I was like, heck yeah, <laughs> Vulpix, that's my girl. <laughs> you had a finishing move? You were like ready yeah, for the WWE. <laughs> it's like drop the elbow. <laughs> yeah, I had a finishing move. That is awesome. Yeah, I love Vulpix. She's definitely not that strong. Especially in the newer games. And I never really liked Ninetales. It was, it was weird. I just liked Vulpix. So, don't know. It's strange. Now, you've told me this story before. But doubtlessly, there are people in our listenership who are not so well informed. We're doing this thing where we play D&D on Monday nights and having a lot of yucks together. How did you discover D&D? Because coming from a southern traditionalist household as well that was not a thing in my town that was not a thing in my house that was not a thing that i discovered until i was in my mid-20s where and when and how did you get into dungeons and dragons you know that is a really good question because 
I'm not gonna lie. I, growing up, I never heard of Dungeons and Dragons. I ha I didn't even know it was a thing. I didn't know it existed. Freaking Stranger Things came out, yeah. and they started playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I was like, "Wow, this looks like a cool game." And then suddenly, you know, Dungeons and Dragons starts regaining traction because of Stranger Things, and people start talking about it more and more. And this is when I first started getting into the Florida cosplay community. I have a couple friends in Orlando that I hang out with a lot, and one of them was telling me about D&D &D and how he's, like, super into it, and he's a DM, and he was explaining the whole process of it, and I was like, oh my god, like, this seems like so much fun. So he suggested that we start, like, a Florida group, and we meet every two weeks. Unfortunately, I couldn't do that, because I live two and a half hours away from Orlando, mm -hmm. and they wanted to do it in person, and just, it's not financially feasible um, for me currently. But we did play, like, three games, and my first character was also Druna, but I felt like I didn't really get to play out Druna as much as I wanted to, which is why I re-rolled her. But yeah, it, it was, oh my god, it was so much fun. <laughs> Just the things that would happen with the drow um, in our specific world, you know, the drow race was looked down upon. So, you know, my character would have to wear bird poop on her face <laughs> in order to go into town. Um, <laughs> and Had so to they, or get to. Uh, get to yeah i guess um they would make fun of me and say that i stunk which is kind of where this new druna character comes into play and i took on the title of the murder lightning druid because <laughs> <laughs> there was two instances where i got the finishing move and they were both my lightning attacks so i remember uh my friend was like, well, how do you want to do this? You know, the whole critical role move. And I was like, okay. Critical role? What's that? Yeah, what's critical role? No one's heard of that. No one has ever heard of critical role. And so I'm like, yeah, you know, you, you can feel like the static in the air and your hair starts standing up on your arms. And my other friend, who was a monk, I forgot was next to me and next to the monster as well. So this lightning bolt comes down and my friend that's the monk is like, I start vibrating and I'm like, ah! <laughs> and I don't know. It's it's just so fun. Um, it's it's fun to be something more than what you are in real life, I guess. Um, yeah. And that's kind of the objective of cosplay too. So it, it goes hand in hand pretty well. I was gonna say there's not to get too philosophical with it, but part of the fun of playing pretend does kind of come with a, a little bit of a dissatisfaction of real life. Yeah. And I mean, damn, after COVID, I mean, who's not ready to step into the soles of the boots of some hero who can actually have a great impact, a positive impact on the world around them more so than you know, us two sitting with our headphones and microphones. Exactly. That's a little too deep. I know, I know, but no, it is a, uh, it is a thing. It is a thing. So from playing a few sessions as the murder lightning druid, where did it go from there? I mean, clearly you played more than just three sessions before coming to us, or if not, you are quite the natural. Um, yeah. So we played about three sessions, um, and then I found out there is a local D and D shop um, right up the road from me, and I played about two sessions, three sessions with them, and then I started college, so I didn't have time. 
So all in all, I've played six sessions, and I really don't have a lot of knowledge about D&D, but I like learning. I was gifted the starter set by my significant other, and I'm reading all the monster manual and the dungeon master guide and all that player's handbook, but it's it's kind of funny, you know, this D&D world opening up. It's crazy how much of it is interconnected with all the nerdum. Mm-hmm. So D&D's hugely based off of Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. and then other things. And I know Lord of the Rings was kind of the first of its kind. And seeing that Lord of the Rings inspired so much more, in a way, D&D is connected to a lot of MMOs and a lot of video games that we have today. So growing up, I played this MMO called Lineage 2. And they had light elves, dark elves, dwarves, humans. And there was a race called the Kamel, which is one winged uh, elf angel type race. Oh, I hear Sephiroth's theme playing somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's crazy how like this world is so intertwined and interconnected. And like you have the Ren Fairs. And I think that's why I like playing Drow so much because in that game, in Lineage 2, I loved playing Dark Elves. And Light Elves were cool, but the Dark Elves were just, they just were so much cooler. They had like, you know, I was going through an emo phase, so they had like the whole emo goth thing going on. Just a little edgier. Yeah, it speaks to me. (laughs) So, um, So I've always been partial to dark elves and drow kind of plays into that so yeah i like that so really it's only been like it's been a single digits of sessions mm-hmm. before coming and playing your first streamed game mm-hmm. man yeah. that's you you are a gutsy gal oh i i've played D for years before wanting to do it on camera oh yeah don't 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 get me wrong um our first recorded session, I was freaking out internally. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> there was a lot of times where I just was like, I have to think off the spot. And, like, we're live and I got to hurry up. And I'm definitely not great at role playing. That's new to me. So that's something that I'm still working on, still practicing. But um, I like making people laugh. That is one of my personal characteristics is i get joy from making people laugh so i mm-hmm. always try to come up with like something goofy or just funny or absolutely nonsensical in order to inspire laughter you say that and we'll come back to your your confidence in regards to role play in a moment but the listeners of this podcast will have just finished hearing my brother talking to the other players about their favorite moments of the campaign so far and Druna was part of both of them. Aw. It was sheep accents, cranberry juice, and dancing rats were favorite <laughs> moments. So inexperienced as you think of yourself, you really are adding to the fun of the campaign, and you are making a big impact on the enjoyment of the other people at our virtual table. Aw, that makes me so happy to hear that. I'm sure you're well aware, but like, you know, in this whole experience in life, like going through the nerd culture and the cosplay culture and the D&D, like you always have to fight off that lonely monster. And so being able to find a community that, you know, really accepts you for who you are and you can enjoy yourself and be yourself, it's really important, um, especially in your adult life too. So it makes me really happy that like 
I'm in a community where everybody appreciates me and I appreciate them and we can just all be ourselves and no judgment. Mm-hmm. Well, we, yeah, we're, we're delighted to have you, believe me. And as far as the role-playing, you say you're not that even into the role-playing. Role-playing is different things. And there are funny people in life who do random stuff. And you can properly role-play a random person doing funny stuff. Just as much as my brother can role-play a mother. And Crash can role-play a responsible, broody, but somehow still lovable old man. As, right. <laughs> as long... Who, who gets frustrated easily. Yes. And that's one of the things I decided it was worth making a YouTube video about on the channel is don't let people tell you that the way that you're role-playing is wrong. Don't let people tell you that some manner of role-playing is more virtuous or more honorable or more commendable than others. As long as you are consistently portraying a character who is different than yourself in some way and when presented with a decision to make, you make the decision that Druna would make instead of the decision that Kay would make. You are role-playing. Right. Exactly. I feel like Drina is definitely very similar to my personality type. And in a way, I get to express and tell the world who I am. Because there's definitely, like, there's still a shy part of me. I'm not always 100% with, like, everybody when it comes to expressing myself because I'm shy. I think Wesley's the only one that sees me sees all of it (laughs) and still loves me for it. Um... I'm definitely still, yeah, shy and introverted. But like with Druna, you know, I get to process and work on myself at the same time as and have fun, if that makes sense. So it's very therapeutic in a way. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's still fun to be able to play like a reckless individual as well, though. You you are reckless in a lot of ways. I mean, jumping over fences and chasing after barnyard animals and whatnot. But you're also bringing some good utility to the party you know and we haven't gotten into a fight yet dame hasn't shown all of the the dame things that dame can do Mm. but just being able to talk with people whose brains have been magically rewired to be animals has done y'all a lot of favors druna is carrying the team in some respects for now until we get to later parts of the adventure so it's good to be the druid it is it's very fun to be the druid um and there's still a lot that I have to learn about it being new and all, but eh, it's it's a lot of fun. And I, I can't wait to see, you know, where all the other characters evolve. Like, I know there's certain secret backstories and secret abilities and secret items. Um, so I'm excited to see how that develops. I know this is supposed to be a one-shot, but honestly, it feels like it might just be more than that. Oh, no. I I know I had originally sat down, and the girls are making fun of me for it now, saying that this would be a three or four session deal. And (laughs) I I think now it's it's meant to be two adventures that kind of run together to tell a grander story. And I think it's going to be four sessions before we get to the end of the first of those two little scenes. So we're going to we're going to we're going to get to see a lot more of Druna, a lot more of Damon, Doc and Luca in the near future before this story is over. The world's longest one shot. Gosh. gosh. <laughs> but I'm enjoying it. And as long as we're all having fun, mm-hmm. I will keep telling the story before we move on to different things on the channel. Yeah, I'm not ready to let go yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm, excited <laughs> see, I'm excited to see where this goes. So I've got to ask you the question that the others were asked. What has been your favorite part? I know it's only been two 
sessions. But in what has happened so far, what's been the standout moment to you? What's going to be, you know, the things that you're talking about to your friends or telling Wesley about? Gosh, this this campaign is absolutely wild. Like this campaign is almost completely unhinged with the (sighs) animals. And there's a couple moments that really stood out. Like, I I did really enjoy the dancing rat scene. Um, you just caught us all with our pants down with that. <laughs> no one was ready. I think I also had my pants down because I didn't know I was going to see that. <laughs> yeah, literally, like da 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 da. da. Um, yeah, that that was really fun to um, role play. I really liked. I love Luca's character. Um, I loved how Luca was literally just standing in the corner, just spitting off like crazy magical spells to identify <laughs> what was in the water. And nobody questioned it. Like everybody thought it was just normal. There's like poofs of, you know, magic dust and everything in the air. And nobody cares. That's just Luca doing Luca stuff. Luca doing Luca stuff. And I love how Doc and. Carlotta just are trying to hold the whole thing together and they just it's almost like they're two old people just stressed out (laughs) with the way the youth of society is today (laughs) and (laughs) they need a drink about it because it's just it's too much um so yeah I don't think like I have no knowledge that they are romantically involved in any way but mm-hmm. they need a night out, like together, they so that they out. can bitch to one another about Somebody everything that happened in their day. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. mercy! Oh yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun, and it's also fun because Luke has a pet rat, and then I can obviously turn into a rat. So I guess I have a rat friend as well. <laughs> you are the rat friend. I'm <laughs> yeah, the rat friend. Oh, man. So you may have already answered this a little bit by talking about looking forward to how the characters are going to change. And if you want to leave it there, we can leave it there. But if you have a different answer for the question, you are welcome to say it now. Not really knowing what's in store, because, you know, you're the player and I don't tell you things. What are you most looking forward to happening or exploring or finding out as the adventure continues well so i know that this adventure like i said it's crazy it's unhinged so i can only expect that there's also more nonsense ahead which i'm really looking forward to i am looking forward to our first fight and seeing how we're gonna handle that oh Uh. i'm looking forward to that too oh my god i i'm look i really am looking forward to that Seeing how we're going to handle it, seeing what everybody's capabilities are, that's that's really what I'm excited for. Some good old-fashioned combat. Yeah, good old-fashioned combat. Need to swing the stick around. You bring shillelagh? Yeah, I brought shillelagh. Good I got druid. my preset. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mess around with no thorn whip. I'm a shillelagh. And I have my, my lightning spells loaded out as well, so... The return of the murder lightning druid. Yeah, somebody call me Percy Jackson, because I'm the lightning thief. <laughs> That's going in your diss track. Oh, gosh. <laughs> in, your, in your rap battle. Hey, yo. Okay, well, you know, if I talk to you much longer, it's not going to be fair to the other girls. Like, I need to I need to try and be impartial to my D&D children and not play favorites or give anybody extra screen time or anything like that. So... 
we need to be wrapping up. But in case someone has been watching the show or listening to the podcast and thinks, man, I want some more K in my life, where can they find it? Um, yeah, so my handle across most platforms is Kjora Cosplay. Um, so for Instagram, it's Kjora.cosplay. K-A-Y-J-O-R-A. Pretty much spelled like you think it would be. Kjora of Mormont. Um, <laughs> so my Twitch is just Kjora, K-A-Y-J-O-R-A. I will put a link to that in the, the Spotify episode description. So if anyone is looking for that, you will have it handy. I'm trying to rebrand. I'm trying to f- figure it out. There's there was somebody on Instagram that is K Jora, and it's an inactive account. So Ooh, I can't get that. That dirty punk. I know. I messaged them. They ignore my messages. It's fine. Honestly, it's fine. But yeah, K Jora cosplay, KJ cosplay. It's either one or the other. Um, should be mainly K Jora cosplay though. And so yeah, I do. I do a lot of cosplay. I do. <laughs> I do a lot of spicy content. Um, but I do also focus on heavy builds as well. So most recently, I just went to a convention called Holiday Matsuri, and they had a competition being held there. And this competition is called Ultimate Cosplay Championship. And this was the first competition for cosplay I've ever submitted to. So I did place in the top fifteen out of six hundred. So I was really excited Damn. about that. That's good. Yeah, I, I was really, I was really happy. I didn't place or anything like that, but I was in the. T- I mean, I, I placed, but I didn't win my category. So top five in my category, top fifteen in the whole. So my Instagram content is going to be, you know, just D and D cosplay, and then cosplay builds. So in my highlight section, I do have videos of how I made certain outfits and I am trying to eventually roll out some tutorials on YouTube. I just have to time manage. That is always my biggest downfall is time management. But yeah, so I I, I do build and stuff on my Instagram. Um, most recently I worked with soldering and LED wiring and right now I'm learning Warbler and 3D printing. So if you guys are interested in that, I have plenty of videos and stories, and I'm going to start doing posts and tutorials on my page about that. Industrious and talented, you is. I'm trying to be a cosplay engineer. I'm trying to do everything, all right? (laughs) I can't do makeup. I will leave that to Crash Candy and Cheesecake. I will leave that to them. They're insane, talented makeup skills and cosplay skills. I could never do the same kind of makeup they do. Uh, I couldn't do any of the stuff you crazy cats do. I will oh, stick, yes, you can. I will stick to telling imaginary stories and trying to make people laugh on the internet. Oh, gosh. Yeah, thank you so much for taking time and sitting down with me and having a good old, good old D&D chat with your DM, Rob. Yeah, I had so much fun. We'll, uh, we'll kick it to that outro music now. And thanks, everybody, for listening in. Thank you for talking to me. And... We will catch you in the next episode. Bye! You know, D&D is a game best enjoyed with your friends, and I am so delighted that this platform has given me the opportunity to call those three friends. You were also there. (laughs) I was also here. 
uh, yeah, this is a great little community that you have invited me into. Uh, there's a lot of very talented creatives on here, and I have really enjoyed getting to know all of them, and I've especially enjoyed being able to play D&D with these three girls and to have them as guests on our podcast and, you know, even hang out and play Jackbox games with them on the weekend. That was a ton of fun, and I thoroughly enjoyed alternating between kicking y'all's butts and getting my own handed to me. Well, dear listeners, this is going to be a action-heavy episode on your part, so prepare yourselves. In the description of this video, we are going to put an unusual amount of links, and we desperately need you to go click all of them. Spare not a press of the mouse button, you'll be glad that you did. First of all, Steve mentioned this community that I invited him into. I invite you to that same community. Misty Mountain Gaming has a Discord where everyone from this stream, everyone from my other streams, all of the ambassadors from MistyMountainGaming.com, as well as other like-minded D&D-loving, dice-rolling nerds, congregate, discuss the game, our other interests, and plan out little community events, some of which are streamed, and some of which you will be invited to. Yeah, that community is fantastic. It's got some great admins in the form of Rob and the community manager Sophie, who is a celebrated creative in her own right. They've made a great little spot for us all to get together and do the sorts of things that we enjoy and share our projects with one another. And there's just a lot of love and support in that community that we strongly encourage you to come and be a part of, not just for our sake, but for yours. And like Rob said, there are a lot of community events and sometimes giveaways and opportunities to participate in our projects and streams that you're not going to find out about any other way. Since you're already heading to Discord, we have our Discord specifically for fans and listeners of the Bardic Twinspiration podcast. It's where we talk a little bit more intimately about the things that we love, what's coming up for the podcast, give you little insights into our everyday lives, and where Stephen and I are much more personally interactive. We're also on Facebook. You can find us at Bardic Twinspiration. We're on Twitter at BTwinspiration. And now we have an Instagram as well. Once again, Bardic Twinspiration. Links to all of those accounts down in the description of this video, alongside similar social media accounts for all of the people whose voices you heard in this episode. Go see what amazing cosplayers, special effects makeup artists, and builders can do with some raw components that would frankly boggle and confuse a guy like me. The stuff that they can do is truly impressive. Tyler came on to one of my streams recently in full tiefling makeup, horns and all. Never had anyone do that in any of my D&D games before. It was pretty damn cool. That was pretty damn cool. You know what else is pretty damn cool and impressive, Rob? Dice. Specifically the dice that you can find at Misty Mountain Gaming's online shop where you can enjoy a sweet little discount on all of your purchases by using the promo code TWINS10. That's T-W-I-N-S-1-0. Every penny that you save comes back to support this show, Stephen and myself. And, as Steve mentioned, discount applies to every product on the website. 
So scroll through our catalog. There's some pretty neat stuff out there, some brand new. But let's say that you're the D&D player who has enough dice. <laughs> we know you don't exist. But, you know, maybe just this isn't the time to be making a personal purchase for your favorite hobby. You can still help support us and grow our podcast by sharing these episodes and by going on to iTunes or Spotify and giving us a five-star rating and a good review. That really boosts us in the eyes of the algorithm and helps our podcast reach a larger audience. If you are new to this podcast, go back and give our catalog a quick listen. We talk about D&D a lot. And once you finish that, if you still haven't quite got enough of us talking about D&D, I encourage you to head over to Misty Mountain Gaming's YouTube channel. There will be a link to that in the description as well. I've got some videos talking about 5th edition mechanics, homebrewing some monsters, and trying to help you improve your experience and the experience of the other people at your table. I need to say that with a different intonation. I have lots of videos on the channel that are geared towards helping improve the experience at your table and ways that you can play this game better. Well, guys, we really hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I know it's a little bit different from what we typically do, but we just couldn't pass up on giving you all the opportunity to get a behind-the-scenes look at our actual play campaign and the people that make it what it is. We hope to see you in our Twitch audience this Monday at 7 p.m. Central for more D&D live play goodness. And as always, every other Saturday, right here for another episode of Bardic Twinspiration. See you then. You can now record. Rob, she's recording now. <laughs> oh, boy. Don't worry, Rob. We said all the mean things about you before we hit record. Only the meanest. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a D4 on her head. All right. Ty, so. stop this. <laughs> this is madness. You're welcome, Rob. You took my idea. Dang it. <laughs> so I can't ask no questions about you. <laughs> I mean, you can, but I'll probably cut them. <laughs> but if you just want to use this as a get-to-know-me time, you're allowed. Okay. Uh, Tyler dropped some spoilers about her character in the podcast, so we can, like, say, oh, if you, this, there's this exclusive interview. <laughs> you must go. If you want to know more about Luca, you must go and listen to the podcast. Kind of thing. That's I imagine uh, Luca's voice sounds like. <laughs> yes. This is why we let... Tyler the long, the long, breathy podcast. <laughs>
I, there was a time in my life, it has long passed, that more people on this planet knew me as Cap'n Bubbles. Cap'n Bubbles? <laughs> Where did that come from? It was a nickname I was given at camp, and Aww. it was this kind of camp where you went to this camp, but they did these other camps. Okay. And so I met, like, over the course of three years, I met, like, a thousand people going to these different camps, and I got to know them, and we played games, and just, they said, ah, and this is... Steve, and this is his brother, Captain Bubble. <laughs> You're like, that's okay. awesome. Thanks. At least I got a rank, baby. Yeah, at least I got a nickname. <laughs> the gals are so much better at being interviewed and interviewing than we are, aren't they? They don't overthink what they they're saying. They just mistakes. say stuff. <laughs> yeah. Try just saying stuff. Um, well, I don't want to be... I, it's this thing where I don't want to be wrong. Um, they won't know if you're wrong. <laughs> the girls might. They're not going to listen to this. They've already heard it. <laughs> They'll probably listen to it. They'll probably listen to it. It's okay.